You're in the middle of your pain. And the stories that I read just from our small group of people from the tragedy of divorce or the loss of a child or, you know, physical pain, terminal illness, whatever it might be. Frank, I want you to kind of put yourself in the position which you've been there. And that is you're right in the middle of the most horrid, you're at the peak of your pain. Now tell us the most practical thing to do for this person who is overwhelmed with it. Okay. If I, is it the most practical thing for me to do for them or to tell them what they need to do? Because that, that's two different thoughts. The most practical thing they can do to walk out of that pain and suffering. Now, the pain may remain, you know, depending on what the condition is, of course. But what is that most practical thing they can do when they're in the middle of it? Because that's typically when I would retreat, feel sorry for myself, blah, blah, blah. Believe the common lies. Now, what should they do to get out of that? I would take every one of those people who wrote that to a very neglected portion of Father's Word, and it's called Lamentations. Um, nobody likes to read Lamentations. I mean, the very word. Let's go cry together. <laughs> Let's go lament. Um, the context is huge. Uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed by the Chaldeans. Uh, the city has been burned to the ground. People have been murdered in the streets. Uh, babies have been thrown up in the air and caught on spears. Women have been raped. Um, it's just pure devastation. And Jeremiah is sitting there in the ashes, lamenting. And I think the key is chapter three. You can hear his mind. He said, I am the man who has seen affliction. I, it's right here. And he, and he starts and the, the lies. I know that God is against me. He's against me all the day long. He's, he has put his arrow in his bow and I'm the bullseye. He's like a bear or a lion in wait, ready to ambush me. Uh, and for almost 19 verses, that's what he does. And which one of us hasn't been there in the moment of that trauma? And then he states it around verse 19 and 20, and listen to what he says. He says, remembering my affliction, next verse, remembering my affliction all the day long. So where is his mind? His mind is on what he sees and feels. And then, bam, he says, but this I recall to my mind. Great is the faithfulness of God, and his mercies are new every morning. And all of a sudden, for the rest of that chapter, hey, see how well they listen. <laughs> for the rest of that, you know what? That means mom is home. 
<laughs> if I, I'm going to let her out, she'll shut up. Yeah, I'd like to give our listeners um, kind of some encouragement here. I believe when when you are right there in the There we go. Okay. Pain <laughs> and your suffering, that it's okay just to cry. Yep. To weep before the Lord. Feel the freedom. And just tell him, I don't have it anymore. I don't have any strength. I don't have any willpower. I don't have any of it. And just just be so incredibly honest with where you're at. Mm-hmm. And then a phrase that I, I shout out unto the Lord often is, God, you are my strength. Mm-hmm. And I can't even pray without having your joy. And you said there is joy and strength. And I don't have an ounce of it right now. Right. And uh, one of my mentors, Dr. David Jeremiah, taught me this little technique. And he said, when you come across a passage that is impacting your soul because God's speaking it to you directly, write that verse out word for Mm -hmm. word. And then in the second paragraph, write how that verse impacts a true believer. And then in the third paragraph, write how that impacts you right now. And then finish it with the fourth paragraph. And that is, here's my confession of the lies I'm now believing. And then as my wife has taught me over 45 plus years of marriage, she says, Stephen, just finish your your times of agony and lord here am i redeem me mm. well i wouldn't do that for a lot of years because i believe redemption is a po- position we've already been given because of who we are in christ and so i didn't say it very much and i cannot tell you how fast it brings me out of that dark hole mm-hmm. when i say lord please Redeem me. Mm-hmm. Now, what father is not going to listen to a child mm-hmm. calling out for redemption of being in a dark cave? Mm-hmm. And then when I come out of that cave, sometimes it takes an hour, sometimes it takes a couple minutes. But boy, I just dive in to this the scriptures, particularly I love the scriptures that are in my little devotional of who I am in Christ. It's just a great reminder for me mm-hmm. of who I'm not mm-hmm. and who I am. And I yep. believe that opens up that gate to get out of that dark place and walk into light again. You you just stated which exactly what Jeremiah did in Lamentations. You know, he was in all that struggle, in all that pain, in all that hurt. And then he set his mind on a verse. Great is the faithfulness of God. He goes on then to say, after he recites who God is to him, he says, now I have hope. And the amazing thing, Stephen, to me about that chapter, nothing's changed. Uh, The streets are still full of burning buildings. And the murdered are all over the streets. And he's still sitting there in the midst of all of it. But now he has hope. It's the circumstances didn't change. 
particularly yeah, that, my changed. I really believe that is critical, Frank, is that when we don't have hope, our mm -hmm. heart grows faint. Mm -hmm. When I look at the cover of your book, I get the pain part. I get the suffering part. But the one that eats at me is loneliness. If I do not seize the moment to get out of that dark place, I go into loneliness. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is more of a weapon the enemy uses against the bride of Christ than anything else. Because everyone has got some kind of pain, some kind of suffering. But loneliness, I'm telling you, that is a relationship killer. Yes, it is. Yeah, we, we, the thing as believers that we have to realize is that we can feel lonely, powerfully lonely. But the truth is, we are never alone. Right. One of the questions that was submitted struck home for me because even administering to people through the years, it is a very very real, serious result of too much pain and suffering. The mind has to try to deal with all this pain and suffering. And if you go year upon year upon year upon year of this stuff, the mind slips into what he called this numb feeling. You're numb to Christ. You're numb to your family members. You're numb to the body of Christ. You're just numb. Mm -hmm. So a great question is, how do I get over these feelings of being numb and come back to where I was in Christ? Frank? Oh, you're, they're probably not going to like this answer. Um, but I would say by not trying to get over those feelings of numbness. <laughs> if, if you try to change those feelings, um, you're going to get, I think, either stuck or even worse. This is, I don't find a single verse in the Bible that says change the way you feel. Uh, there's verses that say fear not, but when you look at the context, he's not saying don't feel fear. He's saying don't act on it. Very clear in the context. What I do find all over the scripture is setting your mind. And oftentimes when you set your mind, your feelings will follow. Uh, but sometimes they don't. And this is a battle. It's the, the battleground of the mind uh, between truth and lie. And one of my little sayings that I've developed over the years, Stephen, is I know how I feel. But what is the truth? I feel numb. I feel dead on my feet. But what is the truth? The truth is I'm alive in him. I don't feel it right now, but it's the truth. And then walk according to what's true, even if I don't feel it. And, and here's where the church, I think, really, again, did a horrible thing to its people. We made acting like you don't feel and calling them a hypocrite. It's the other way around. 
<laughs> uh, I use this illustration. Let's say there's a, a church camp. And so the entire church goes on the camp, but I'm staying home to work. And, uh, boy, this is going to be a horrible illustration. <laughs> I can't think of another off the top of my head. But the church bus is heading down the road, and, and I'm over at, at a bar. And I'm hanging out, and I've got a couple girls on my arm or whatever. Well, you're on the bus. And ordinarily, you would say, uh-oh, I'm going to have to talk to Frank about that one-on-one, because that would be the biblical response. But you're so shocked, you go, hey, everybody, look. And so I got the whole church bus looking at me, okay? Now, Sunday morning, I show up to church with my Bible in my hand. And the whole crowd is out in front of the church door. And what do they say? You hypocrite. What are you doing here when we saw what you were doing Friday night? Well, here's my question. If I'm a believer, when was I being a hypocrite? Not when I showed up at the church with my Bible. I was being a hypocrite when I was at the bar. See, we've made hypocrites somebody who... who um, is doing something, how do I avoid this? Uh, Hupacortes is actor. And an actor wears a mask of somebody that you're not. That's what the word means. So when I look at my feelings, if I walk according to those feelings, that's when I'm being a hypocrite. That's when I'm wearing a mask. Because the truth is, that's not who I am. I am in Christ. He is my strength. He is my joy. That's the truth, even if I don't feel it. And I need to act like he's my strength and joy, even if it's not felt. It's hard work. That's why I think Paul called it the agony of faith. It's hard to walk in truth when it doesn't line up with what you feel sometimes. You know, I don't, I don't feel like forgiving some people sometimes, but who am I? I'm a forgiver. And so if I forgive them, I'm going to feel like a hypocrite because I just soon slap them in Jesus name. But, but that's the truth. I am a forgiver. So now I've got to go hug them, love on them. I'm going to feel wormy, but who am I? I'm a forgiver. I'm a restorer. I'm a redeemer. That's who I am in Christ. So that's a tough one. That's why I think it's called an agony. Yeah, and I, I train people on a regular basis to take a very close look at the weapon that Satan is using to discourage you because he knows once you're without hope, your heart's going to grow faint and then he can really go to town on you. And yeah. if you have a terminal type of illness or even emotions that plague you year after year. I am a firm believer in the passage where it says faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a legalistic way at Mm -hmm. all. But a technique that I was taught many years ago is get a hold of the weapon that he is using on you and turn it on the enemy. Yeah. And that's why I am really big on when you're in that moment with Jesus and it is just as dark and despairing as it can be. Mm-hmm. Grab a hold of that those feelings that Frank's mm-hmm. talking about. Grab a hold of those feelings and use it against the enemy. 
And the way I do that practically is to say, God, I am overwhelmed with loneliness. I am overwhelmed with despair. You just grab those the, the tools the enemy is using on you and turn them on them and talk to God. I don't believe you should ever talk to Satan. Mm, yeah. It's something I learned very early on in my faith. Mm. But put that before God and, and honestly say, this is how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. But I know that it is not true. Mm -hmm. Now, the works part is what gets you out of it. Mm -hmm. Works may be reading a passage. It may be quoting a passage by memory. It may be going and talking to someone. It may be in just meditating on the word of God for the rest mm -hmm. of the day. Whatever it is, I believe the secret coming out of a numb mind is to get in touch with the weapons that cause the numb mind. Mm -hmm. And then once you, once you do this as a pattern, I will speak for myself. My moments of walking in the dark cave are down to minutes now. Mm. Some people call this dark cave depression. Mm. Some people call it, you know, many other things. Mm. I don't care what you want to name it. But if you're in the dark cave, admit it. And use those dark elements just to confess them before the living God. Believe me, he understands you and plead with him. Mm. That's the action part. God, mm. what's next? And he may say, open your Bible. He may mm. say, walk out of this cave and go minister to someone. I don't know. That's between you yeah. and God. But there's action mm -hmm. that can be taken with your faith when you are in this absolute dark pit. Mm-hmm. God doesn't want us there. He didn't want his own son there. Mm -hmm. When Jesus said, Father, if this cup could pass before me, let it. But he didn't stop there. Mm -hmm. He said, but not my will be done, right. but yours be done. Yeah. That's what got him out. Mm. And so that has been a very practical piece for me mm. through the years. Uh, listening to you, the verse that's popping in my brain is Romans 12, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, I heard a guy once, Stephen, I don't remember the full context, but he said something like this. If you're, if you as a believer do not set your mind on truth, you are in danger of having sin be the comfort food of your pain. Mm. 